Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship and advancement. Today is a pleasure to host uh, my friend, former boss and colleague, Mr. Barry Benson, Vice Chancellor for Institutional Advancement at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Welcome, Barry. Hey, Kim. How are we doing, buddy? We are doing well. So I was really, you know, as somebody who has followed your career and, uh, you know, somebody that reported to you, I've watched your career grow over the years from one stage to another. And I just want to have a conversation today and ask you to briefly talk about your journey to becoming a vice chancellor at a top research university. Well, um, I'll try and be brief here, but first of all, thanks for having me, Kim. It's been a pleasure to, you know, watch your career grow as well here over the last few years here. And I think anybody that achieves some some level of success in the business does so on the on the shoulders of others, and then by virtue of a lot of the hard work from a lot of folks along the way. And I've got the the privilege of working with you, and certainly. Um, you know, counting you as a friend and a colleague uh, along the way here and certainly appreciate our relationship. And I think that, you know, first and foremost, that's that's what this business is about. And so as right. I look back on, you know, on my past, uh, as you know, I was a Colorado kid. And so I envisioned a career uh, on the baseball diamond. And so to be the next Brian Sandberg or Babe Ruth or whatever the case may be was certainly my goal early on. And then, um, you know, uh, at some point along the way, I figured out I couldn't hit a curveball or you know, <laughs> uh, fielding percentage wasn't going to quite make it. So, um, you know, pursued a degree in finance uh, and then utilized that as a uh, financial planner here uh, when I graduated high school and thought that that was the way to go here. And again, that was a very much a relationship business as well. But at some point I decided to Perhaps a career in law was, uh, you know, the direction I wanted to go, and so resigned, uh, you know, from a professional capacity in finance to pursue a law career, and then decided quickly that that wasn't the route that I wanted to go either. Uh, but like most of us in this business, at least these days, uh, we took a left turn at some point along the way here and decided that, you know, this nonprofit world and raising money and uh, you know, going into a, a different endeavor was a good idea. Nobody really grows up and wants to be a fundraiser, or at least, nope. and, you know, now, now, as you well know, there are curriculum and academic programs that people can pursue. But at some point, all of us fell into this career backwards. And my opportunity came about after I decided not to go to law school. And a gentleman by the name of Jim Moore, um, as I say, either uh, I congratulate him or or curse him, depending on the day, decided to hire me back at my alma mater, Northern Colorado, to raise money uh, for the business school. So that was 
a couple decades ago, uh, the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, Colorado. And so, you know, I cut my teeth. The metropolis that is Greeley, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, cut my teeth in that space for uh, a number of years running uh, the advancement operation in the College of Business. And then, you know, as many of us do, um, you know, uh, hook my train or hook my caboose to uh, the train of others that have gone off and done some good things. And so right, wrong or otherwise, I followed Jim to the University of Arizona where you and I met um, and had the privilege of working in a variety of spaces, not only centrally, but within colleges and units as well and managing campaigns. And then ultimately that path uh, led here to Illinois as well. And in between the corn and the soybeans of central Illinois, I've, <laughs> I've managed to apply a few skills I've learned along the way here and have been better off for it. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess I've been rambling a little too much. I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, that's a, I'm, I mean, you're, you're raising a very, a, a very important point here. You know, we're, we're in a business of relationships and uh, it's about those relationships that you build along the way. You know, they may seem insignificant, but that particular person may uh, know another, uh, you know, person and that person opens the door for you. And the next thing you know, uh, you have an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to move up or to build a career. I mean, I, I kind of got into, a, into this business too by, by accident, you know, I mean, it's, I didn't I didn't go to school thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to be a development officer, but working, uh, you know, at the University of California, Berkeley in athletics, uh, I got to meet other uh, professionals uh, who were interested in, uh, you know, in, in you know, in, in me and they, they grow to like me. So I say, hey, you know what, why don't you come and work in uh, in advancement and the rest, as they say, is history. So it's those, you know, th those those relationships that you build along the way. And also sometimes it's the people that you may have helped the one way or another that remember and say, you know what, I know that Barry, we got to, you know, you know, we have an opportunity here. we got to bring them to our organization. So it happens both ways. Yeah, no, I, you know, this business as you, um, as you get your arms around some of the moving parts and, yeah. uh, you know, know a little bit more of the lay of the land, it's a, it's a small world. And so for an example, you know, I've got David Bruns that's sitting right next to me uh, today here and David and you cross paths at Wash U, for example. And so he's exactly, said, you know, I, I said, oh, I got to got to do a podcast for Kim. And he said, oh, tell Kim hello. So, you know, whether it's David Bruns or Dale Wright or, you know, a whole host of other characters here, it's a very small world. And we all uh, we all meet each other at some point along the way. And I, I would hope we're all better off for it. So absolutely. So as you think about this journey, obviously we've talked about somebody like Jim, but uh, who who was the most influential uh, mentor to you and uh, in your career, and and what is it that they did that that helped you sort of uh, you know you know go follow the right path to to your career? Yeah, that's a good question, I, and. You know, if I list a couple names, you know, by definition, I'm excluding a whole host of others, but certainly Jim Moore, president of the University of Illinois Foundation, has been instrumental in, in my career and right. my growth. Um, you know, and I've, I've learned a lot from him along the way as it relates to uh, not only the X's and O's of what we do, but, you know, inevitably there's a whole host of 
different uh, skills that we develop along the way that aren't defined in our job description, right? As Precisely. To, uh, nuances, managing up, managing down, managing across. And I've learned oh, yeah. a lot from Jim in, in that space here. And, you know, as I continue to move forward in this uh, uh, career, those those nuances um, uh, tend to be a lot more important than uh, solicitations, for example. When, you know, some of the mechanics of what we do, I think it's important to evolve. And and really this this game, and especially over the last couple of years, is so fluid, right? And the ability oh, yeah. to adapt and manage accordingly is, is absolutely critical. You know, and I reflect back on the time we spent together in Tucson in the College of Engineering and you know, both both us, both of us, I think we're, you know, in, in our adolescence as it relates to a career, figuring <laughs> oh, this yeah. out together, uh, made a hell of a lot of mistakes along the way, but managed to do some good. And, you know, our dean, Jeff Goldberg, I think was instrumental in allowing us to, you know, have a fairly wide berth and a long leash and some of the things we wanted to do. And I credit him, you know, really for uh, more on the people side, I think, you know, regardless of, you know, his managerial expertise, you know, the way he managed individuals and people and really was genuine and sincere about relationships um, is something that I've looked back on and, and reflect uh, positively as somebody that's really molded, you know, my, uh, you know, how I look at engaging folks, whether it's internally with staff or frankly donors as well. And he was, yeah, he was certainly an expert in both of those spaces. Yeah, I know it's funny you mentioned him because I was talking to him uh, about a week ago, uh, you know, just having a conversation about succession planning and uh, a lot of the things that that he put in place uh, at the uh, College of Engineering. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were sort of reminiscing on on the part on, on the path. And true, I mean, he, you know, he allowed us to to do things that most people wouldn't allow you. I mean, heck, uh, some of the things that I was doing then, uh, I couldn't do at certain places that I've been part of because it's sort of, uh, uh, you know, so much focused on hierarchy and this is how we do things. And his uh, view was, no, let's figure out a way, you know, let's figure out a way to uh, to, to make things happen. And, uh, you know, let's not worry too much about uh, formalities of things. And that that I that I appreciate a lot about him. What? Well, you know, as I reflect back, you're absolutely right. And, you know, one thing I've tried to implement here is function over form. And Jeff was, you know, as a systems engineer, you know, it was all about being pragmatic and function versus, you know, anything else that might come before that. So, you know, he was great. And there's been a, a whole host of other individuals along the way that I've, I've kind of, you know, stolen a few nuggets here and there and, you know, try and create your own philosophy. Yeah how to do what's best. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all learn from those, from those experiences and we'll pick a few things from the people that we have uh, you worked with uh, all uh, for, and uh, that, that, that's what makes us better. So as you, as you, as you think about that, uh, you know, that particular point, just to build on it, uh, what are the critical components uh, of your current role uh, that one should gain uh, the experience in, in order to sort of, create a path for themselves to uh, to be a leader in a role like you occupy. By that, I mean, uh, most of the time people think, well, I got to be a great fundraiser. I got to raise a lot of money and that's what's going to get me there. But they don't understand the 
business component of the role, the financials, the uh, sort of like managing up and down and all those, those things that, that people don't seem to, you know, you don't get trained or get, get exposed to that until way later when you show up and you're interviewing to be a vice president, vice chancellor, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, so I, I, sh I should understand how foundation boards work. I should know uh, how the system works, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, you know, I used the analogy or the metaphor early on in, in this role. It was like, uh, you know, playing dodgeball in the dark, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and you could never tell where the next ball was going to hit you. And hopefully you avoid the kill shot. But inevitably, there are some that you can see coming and some that you can't. So I, I think to the extent that you can you know, in some of these leadership positions, try and anticipate not only the immediate next step, but then one that comes after that and the one that comes after that is really important. But, you know, knowing that none of us have a crystal ball, you've just got to kind of fine tune that intuition, right? And be a yeah. little holistic about what you see in front of you, right? It's, you know, I, I think a lot of us, uh, and yourself included, you know, are in this space because we've had success and we've raised large amounts of money. And, the, you know, it's interesting, the larger up that ladder you climb, the less important those skills become. And so to the extent that you can develop and evolve your remit and your portfolio that encompasses broader pictures is only going to, you know, uh, uh, serve you well uh, in some of these more holistic leadership positions, right? Um, yeah. And, and you kind of, as I alluded to before, so for example, even today, even at you know the case conference that we attended, you are exponentially better at working a room than I am, right? Um, so you well, you, that's too kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> and you've always been that way, right? So to the extent that as you progress up and you can surround yourself with folks that are better than you in specific spots, I think is important. And yeah. by virtue of that, you know, you you build a team and your team has success, but inevitably you know, as an individual, you're going to progress forward as well. So I think, you know, analyzing not only what you can do, um, I think is important, but certainly as you, as you escalate and your career progresses here, knowing exactly what the team surrounds you is capable of and leveraging those skill sets becomes, uh, becomes more important, right? Not only for yeah. your success, but the institution's progress as well. Yes, all all the successful people that I've seen uh, have have had the the mindset that they're not experts, but they do have a vision, and they'll find experts to fill the gaps in the areas where they they uh, they're not strong. So I remember years ago when I was working in California, I had a, a CEO of a tech company, and he was a military fighter pilot. So I said, "How uh, how the uh, what was your background? Were you, were you a?" Uh, uh, computer engineer said, absolutely not. Uh, I, I was hired for this job because I have a vision and I can lead people. So I have the best CIO known to known to man. I have the best CTO, the best marketing person. So I hire individuals who are experts in their realm and I let them do their work. And, and I can think of uh, many uh, other examples of folks where they may not be a data person, so they find somebody who is strong in data that covers that component right. so they don't have to worry about that. So 
So it's uh, it's an interesting art and science. Bob and weave a little. Yeah, and, and I would argue that the most important ingredient in that equation, surrounding yourself with good people, is trust, right? Both giving yeah. and receiving trust, right? So if you surround yourself with good people and then you don't enable them, you don't empower them to do anything, then really what's the point? And so mm-hmm. you know, is I actually had a, I'll steal this from our athletic director that you know, was given a similar presentation as it relates to leadership. And he said the most critical component uh, is both giving and receiving trust, right? Giving and receiving trust. And I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So very true. So, uh, you know, we in our, in our field, oftentimes you think about a leadership role, people are thinking, well, I want to be, you know, vice president is, uh, is a way to go. Uh, is vice president or die, so to speak. I want to go there. That's that. So I'll do whatever I can to get to that. Uh, now, there's a different school of thought that says, well, you don't necessarily uh, have to go that path. Being a leader is not so much as having the, 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 the overall uh, title and responsibility, but there are plenty of leaders within an organization that have had successful advancement careers without being vice presidents, AVPs or what have you, but they're experts in their domain. And they, they, they are, I would argue, even more valuable than somebody, you know, who's an AVP, uh, VP. What are your thoughts on that? I, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, you know, now's, I'm sure you're going through a similar process. It's performance evaluation and annual review time. And oh yeah, I don't know what that sequence looks like at Florida, but Tis the season around Illinois, and I will be candid with you. There are a few folks around me. Uh, I, I am dispensable, right? And I'll be the first and the first one to, to realize that. But are, there are those folks and those individuals that have 20 years of institutional experience here that I can't afford to, to miss, right? And they don't necessarily want to sit in my chair, but without them, you know, the, the, the train grinds to a halt, right? Yes. Uh, and so are the, those are the individuals that you want to ensure that you know, you keep around, they're the ones that really are in charge. And I'll be the first to, to admit that. Um, and so you, you, you couldn't be more correct here. Uh, I think, unfortunately, you know, those folks that are in this chair tend to get the limelight or whatever the, you know, the case may be, but certainly there are those folks that are, and they're dependent on your institution. There may be just a couple of them. There may be a dozen, there may be more than that. And frankly, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm probably not a, aware of all of those individuals in our in our organization that really make sure that the trains run on time and you know everything goes off without a hitch. But by all means, you know, regardless of how big your team is, uh, you couldn't do it without help. Uh, and it's absolutely critical to identify and retain and reward those folks appropriately. Yeah, and and I mean by the nature of the role that you're in you typically have to operate at the 30,000 foot level in order for the organization, you know, to, to get to where it gets to. So then you get yourself in a, in a, uh, in a position where you got to have the number twos and number threes that are very strong that you can trust that you can uh, for them to, to give the pulse of the organization, so to speak, because you have three, 400 people that are part of the organization. You can possibly, know everybody to the T because otherwise you would not be doing your job. <laughs> yeah, that's very, and, and it all comes back to trust, right? Um, 
and to the extent that you can have that and have a candid, transparent relationship with uh, you know the folks that are around your leadership table is is absolutely critical. So as we are going through this uh, uh, great resignation, great reimagining, what have you, uh, universities are being impacted by that too. Higher ed, the field of development as a whole. I mean, you're seeing people deciding, well, I'm just going to stay home, uh, go close to my to my family, and I'll have, I'll find something to do here. Some people are going through remote. Some people are doing all these kind of things. What would, if you were talking to your talent management team as far as uh, the future here? Like, how should we pivot? Uh, what what are you what what are your thoughts regarding uh, pivoting in the current reality uh, and accommodating different uh, sort of uh, uh, styles, A, the st- work, work life, work style balance, and B, building a pipeline for, uh, for, for, for talent. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think you hit on probably the, the number one theme as it relates from our deliverables or feedback or outcome from conversations I had at the case conference is, you know, how do you recruit, retain, and reward, you know, your your staff, right, in a very remote environment, at least for some of us. Um, As it turns out, you know, sending people home a couple years ago was the easy part. You know, bringing them back has proved exponentially more difficult. And I would argue that Illinois, and oh, by the way, it, it differs by state, it differs, you know, there's a whole host of variables that make this particular equation complicated. I will tell you right now it's it's five o'clock, five thirty in in Champaign. I'm the only one in the building, but nine times out of ten, most days I'm the only one in the building. So most yeah. of our staff continue to be remote, uh, at least oh, wow. the, uh, within OBCIA, and we're okay with that. And I would yeah. argue that most institutions um, haven't seen a uh, a transformative impact to their bottom line. And in fact, most of us have had record years, if not, you know, good years, right? So we haven't yeah. seen necessarily decrease in business. Um, and so we'll continue to be accommodating. And in fact, we've managed to dodge the bullet on the great resignation. Our turnover, you know, right now is about 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of that's organic, right? The yeah, yeah. Those is, you know, people decide that, you know, life circumstances change. So we haven't seen any, what I would tally up to COVID resignations. Uh, we've been overly accommodating. You know, we've got staff in California and Florida and Colorado and New York, uh, and they're just not major gift officers. We've got some folks that are in talent management that can work remotely. Um, now I would argue, or we may start to see some additional framework around that because yes. we don't know how sustainable that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that our talent management folks are struggling with right now, to be candid with you. And it's a very disparate playing field as it relates to colleges and units. Um, you know, Illinois, to their credit, has enabled local decision making. So what may be good for advancement may not be good for our research component or, um, you know, certainly the academic enterprise as we try and bring students back on campus. Inevitably, we've got to have somebody to teach those students, right? So faculty. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been an ex- interesting exercise, but I would suggest that um, 
We are probably too accommodating right now. We'll start to bring folks back at least part-time into the office because I worry about culture. Yes, uh, that's that's something that I hear almost everybody to a person. Uh, uh, they'll talk about the good in that productivity is, is, is going strong, but then the flip side of it is we have a whole bunch of different tribes now. Yeah, uh, yes. Um, and those collisions that happen in the hallway or the water cooler or wherever the case may be, I think um, are important, right? And, and we need to make sure that we try and manufacture those to the extent we can. And they just don't happen via Zoom, right? No. Um, and so that's the piece that I worry about. Um, and I don't quite have an answer, but I think we're getting to a point, certainly at Illinois, where we'll start to bring people back. Maybe it's one day a week, uh, and we've talked about having food trucks or, you know, free coffee or whatever the case may be. I think we've, you have to, uh, I don't want to say entice folks to come back to the office, but I think the, you know, the environment has changed where we need to, we need to ensure if they come back to the office that they feel, uh, uh, they feel good about doing so. Um, and I, I do want to suggest that at least the way that we've position some of our remote work that it's a privilege, not necessarily a right, right? Uh, and Certainly. I think for the most part, people are subscribed to that notion, but I do know that for a few of our individuals, you know, transitioning them back to the office is going to be challenging and, you know, what we do with those roles or uh, responsibilities is yet to be determined. But everybody's in the same boat here, Kim, I can tell you. You know, uh, it, you you spoke to a lot of folks at the case conference, and they're they're trying to determine the, the same thing. And I'm not quite sure anybody's got a secret sauce that you know they're willing to share with everybody just yet. Yeah, whoever uh, comes up with that uh, strategy uh, that can work in advancement, uh, uh, I recommend they copyright it and uh, <laughs> license it out. <laughs> Again, we've been overly accommodating with our remote working environments. We've seen no recessions. And I know, as a matter of fact, we've been able to hire a, a bunch of folks here that uh, uh, may not call Illinois home, but I, I just don't know how sustainable that is. Certainly. Well, those some some good, uh, some good pointers there. So as we wrap up here, uh, two, two key takeaways that you want uh, our listeners to, uh, to consider uh, regarding uh, build, becoming a leader in university advancement. Two key takeaways. Um, you know, why don't I, uh, maybe I give you three. So we do a, yeah, four, depending on how you, you want to digest this. Uh, we do a boot camp every year. Uh, in fact, a couple times a year for our new employees here. And, you know, leadership is a, a component of my presentation. And so inevitably, you know, they ask what a good leader does. And I think I've mentioned these words a couple of times during our conversation, but it's um, it's enable, right? So enable folks to do their job, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that entails removing barriers to success or, you know, if they're highly functioning and they can do so from their home office, then you know what? As far as I'm concerned, let's do it. Right? Yes. Um, and then empower them to do so, right? So don't you know, if you're going to give them a role and responsibilities, don't micromanage, get out of the way at some point, right? And let the ego go someplace else and let them do their job. Yep. And then the last one is, is inspire, right? And I, 
I actually prefaced this by the three E's, and obviously I can spell. Inspire obviously isn't spelled with an E, and it's a funnier joke <laughs> PowerPoint presentation. But yeah, that great Colorado education there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. But really, I guess the three things that you know I would suggest if there's one thing for the audience to take away here is from a leadership perspective, enable, empower, and then inspire your folks. Uh, and I think if you do those three things, you're going to be certainly off to a good start. So. Well, there you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.